This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the results, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app and you'll get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. We understand that the journey as a supporter isn't always smooth sailing, but rest assured you're not alone. There's a vast network of fellow fans who share your passion and may be experiencing similar challenges. Honesty is key in any relationship. If your friend asks you how you are feeling, tell them honestly. If you're going through a difficult time, let them know. Opening up about how you are feeling can really make a difference. After all, they are your mates for a reason. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. This is the Besotted Pride of West London podcast. And I can't believe we come back to West London. We come back to a place which inflicted a lot of pain on us last night. Griffin Park was not the place to be if you're a Brentford fan. It was a place where we saw the record increase. I think it was six out of seven, or is it seven out of eight, or is it eight out of nine? I, I've got, I've got an idea. It's sort of like Groundhog Day now, isn't it? So Griffin Park Groundhog Day yesterday, and uh, we were all down there. And uh, well, we're just going to talk about it. Sheffield United came down, and be fair to Sheffield United, they did the business. They looked sharp. They were running off the ball. They were pressing. They are doing all the things that, you know, a team that plays together should do. And Brentford didn't quite do the same. I'm Billy Grant and I'm sitting here in the George IV pub in Chiswick, which is just down the road from Brentford, which is just down the road from Griffin Park, where we had a lot of pain last night. And I'm sitting here with my buddies, my pals. And it's, we've been sitting there for a couple of hours, actually. We've had quite a few drinks. I've got pride in front of myself. We've got Guinness and Black over there. And in the corner, we've got a glass of red wine. Because um, we feel that we need to... Um, it's almost like we, it's almost like a counselling session. We're sitting down there and we're self-counselling, counselling ourselves, knowing things haven't gone too well. Ali Malali, how are you? I'm better now I've got a glass of wine than I was last night. But, um, yeah, I'm a bit worried, I'm a bit concerned. Um, but, you know, the wine is good. Listen, if Besotted could bring anything, they could bring a bit of wine and they can actually make these memories fade into the background. We've got the man Laney Man. How are you doing? And the last time I saw you, you just weren't very happy at all last night, were you? Is, um, is all your equipment working all right tonight, Bill? I've got, well, I've got my equipment working tonight. We'll come on to that. We had a little bit of a bit of a problem. Um, we'll, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Yeah, but my equipment is now working. All the equipment that needs to be is working. So Monday, Monday night, yeah, some equipment wasn't working. Tuesday night, other equipment wasn't working. What, what, what equipment is not working tonight? So, it's a, you, this is another record. So, basically, it's like, you know, like Brentford's record at the moment now, where basically their, their, goals, their, their winning record isn't working. I had a, a car that wasn't working on Monday. I had some sort of recording equipment that wasn't working on Tuesday. And, like, Wednesday, um, 
what equipment is not working on Wednesday. We were making love by Thursday. No, we were, Dave, honestly. Anyway, look, I should move on. And talk about Dave. We've got another Dave. It's a double Dave. I don't know if he's going to call you Dave and I'll call you David. You know? we got, we got, we got a newbie in the house. Dave. Dave A. No, everyone normally has a bit of a nickname, so we'll, hopefully we'll have one by the end of the, uh, end of the show for you. But Dave A, how are you doing? I'm really good, Billy. Thank you very much. Uh, suffering from a bit of imposter syndrome here. Uh, listened to you guys for a while. And uh, other than the bad news about Brentford, I'm feeling pretty good being here, yeah. If you don't listen, Dave, Anders, Dave A or Dave Anderson, he's written quite a few blogs, which we put out there. Besotted a tweet, he's even written for Besotted as well. Um, excellent blogs, really, really good read, really incisive. He goes into a little bit of a, a bit of an analysis just to give us a little bit of a different side as well. And I think, David, you've got a little bit of information that you're going to be sharing with uh, the Besotted listeners a bit later as well, haven't you? I have, yes. Something that, well, maybe some people don't think is how it is. Oh, mysterious, Dave, you know. It's going to take you to another dimension. <laughs> that's right, that's right. So listen, we're going, to, we're going to move on because we've got lots and lots to talk about. We had a game on Tuesday night. It was wet, it was cold, it was windy, it was nasty. It was the kind of game that, to be quite honest, Brentford probably didn't want to play and most of the fans didn't want to be standing in watching that game. But we did and we watched it and the result didn't go according to plan. We recorded the fans after the game and people were telling us exactly what they thought. But unfortunately, my recording equipment, and this is the honest truth, it broke down because I had my Bluetooth um, recorder in my pocket and it was recording it in my pocket. So all you can hear is these voices right in the background chatting away. Um, so I've got the audio if you want to listen it to was, it. It was, it was really much better than it would have been otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> you, couldn't hear the, you couldn't hear the moaning and the whinging and people shouting and swearing and everything like that. So what we've done is we've done a day afterwards where we've gone back to the fans and we've asked them exactly what their thoughts are the morning after. So this is a section we like, we like to call the morning after pill. The morning after, the, the night before. Oh, that was tepid. Um, it just reminds me of 2016, that run after Christmas when we, um, we ended up basically going to Fulham and played judge up front. And those games... You know, we ended up exactly the way we were last night. Just no confidence, no pace out wide. Last night, judging Canos, coming inside all the time. Dowsgaard, our widest player. Um, there's no real outlet then, you know. So the midfield are just passing it around between themselves. We're, try- we're just not using the width of the pitch. It's frustrating because then we're trying to thread it, thread these balls forwards. Um, and it's just not working. I think we're missing Watkins. We're probably missing Ben Rama. And we're probably missing that confidence I'm talking about. We need those players to come back. I think the injuries are killing us. I think we need McCoy in midfield too. I just think we're lacking a bit of plan at the moment, lacking a bit of shape. Um, I think there's a couple of players in the midfield that are trying hard, but just being uh, energetically wasteful, potentially. Um, a lot of people not really sure they know what we're doing. I think a lot of people saw Mepham looking at Frank yesterday, saying, well, what do you want me to do uh, on the corner balls? And I think after that game, we are in banging trouble now. Uh, we, we, we don't really see where the next win's coming from. Uh, in terms of in terms of picking up some points and, and getting some momentum, so I, I don't think it's relegation. I don't, I don't think we'll get relegated. I think we're far too good for that eventually. Uh, but we, we really do need a couple of players to come back now. Uh, it's a shame that the players we've brought in or, or, or some of our players on our bench aren't 90 minutes fit, uh, and, and, and we don't know why that, that that's about. 
We're pretty much uh, ravaged by injuries at the moment. Um, but last night's game against Sheffield United brought quite a few things into into stark context. Um, I think the two centre-backs, both young, both going to play in the Premier League and both with so much promise. But they do need uh, someone with slightly more experience to sit alongside them and bring them on. Uh, in my in my opinion, um, secondly, lost count of the number of times that we went long because of uh, United's high press, and as a result, probably about fifteen twenty times we just ceded possession back to back to uh, Sheffield United, and they were allowed to just attack us in waves, um, which obviously put more pressure on an inexperienced centre uh, centre defensive pairing. Um, Obviously, I'm not going to mention the uh, the Woods word, but I don't think we've replaced him. If Camo's the replacement, then obviously we need to get him fit again fairly quickly. Um, but I, overall, I don't think uh, there's anything that, that won't sort itself out once we get players back. But I do think that those two areas are pretty important to be addressed quite quickly, either in January or at the end of the season. Um, I thought the players looked as though they didn't really know exactly what they were doing or what they were meant to do, both from an attacking and defensive perspective. Um, I don't think the players looked as though then you had to deal with um, balls whipped into the box at pace and at height, um, which is a sort of story of our season so far, really. Um, and the most puzzling thing is that they don't really know how to adjust their game or there isn't, doesn't seem to be a plan B. So that's the real thing that worries me. Um, I think the the team is crying out for um, someone like Camo Mococcio, uh who can fill that Ryan Woods role of sort of breaking up play, distributing and organising and maybe provide a bit of leadership and some cover for the back four. Can we take any positives from last night? Maybe. Uh, one of them would be Marcondes and Da Silva. Or oh, that's two, I guess. Da Silva is looking like the real deal, but unfortunately he hasn't had enough playing time for us to see what he's really capable of and Marcondes is looking sharp and hungry and wanting to show what he's capable of the other positive maybe is that when we can play with high tempo when we do play with high tempo we can put you know run rings around the other team but there wasn't enough of it last night most of the time the players that especially the younger ones looked lost look like rabbits lost in the headlights uh something seems to be wrong in the dressing room i don't know what it is but there doesn't seem to be the togetherness that there was last season i just hope they fix it soon that was poor that was the first time that i was actually worried about brentford nothing about that performance last night was acceptable there didn't seem to be any organization there wasn't much running, there was no covering, there was no confidence. Canos, I thought, was disgraceful, and I loved Sergi Canos. He didn't track back, he didn't cover, there was no energy, and I think he should have been hooked after about 15-20 minutes. The defence was totally disorganised, Barbe was dreaming at the throw-in when they scored the third goal, and as for the two centre-halves, they... Uh, Clark just checked his run and no one went with him. What was also worrying is that when we scored, instead of it actually giving us some impetus, it seemed to scare us. We just sat back. They should have equalised within 45 seconds of us going ahead when they hit the bar with an open goal. And even when we got back to 2 all, we had to work so hard for that goal and we did work hard. What happened? 
Leon Clark had a free header about a minute later and then they scored soon after. This was a poor performance and the crowd didn't like it. And actually, I'm sure that people at the club will not be happy about the crowd, but it just looked as if the players weren't giving as much. Hopefully I'm wrong. Hopefully it's just that the lack of confidence, the death of Rob Rowan, so many injuries has just got on top of a young team that so desperately lack leadership. But something isn't right there and it needs to be put right as soon as possible. Otherwise, we are going to struggle. Really sad to see last night's performance. Feel we've got two centre-halves worth £40 million and they just look so disorganised. And Delsgaard is playing as the furthest forward player a lot of the time. How a full-back can do that, I don't know. I feel the issues are with defence. If we can sort the defence out, we are scoring goals. There is just total lack of organisation there. For me, the one positive, the one bright hope is that we've got marvellous talent, great raw material there. If somebody or some bodies can come in and fix it, we could turn this round very quickly. We're a good side, but injuries are really hurting us. Uh, underlying numbers are bad. Performances aren't actually well any good at the moment. But what we saw out of possession in terms of pressing, tracking, runners, aptitude, it just simply wasn't good enough. Lots needed. Uh, we got ourselves ahead in the game, but just looked like conceding whenever Sheffield United wanted to score, which is a real shame and a real problem. Uh, Neil Warpay battled well. Malcondes looked good when he came on, I thought. Um, but there's something going wrong and we're not changing what we're doing. We're making the same mistakes. We're repeating the same structure. Teams have worked us out. The high press is putting pressure on Bentley. It's putting pressure on Mepham. It's putting pressure on Konza. McEachran moves the ball, but Guava moves it back to those same players. And we're building pressure and pressure upon ourselves and causing more problems for Brentford than we are for the opponents. Something has to change soon. So my reaction after the Sheffield United game, I thought it was a lackluster performance. Really lacked conviction, lacked tempo for most of the game, and really, really didn't throw the kitchen sink at them. For example, right at the death, like, which is so unlike us. Um, and teams have really, really found us out and are, and are, and are breaking us down and, and, and punishing us too easily. We're just not learning from our mistakes. Um, so it's worrying. I think the three key things we need from here on, if we're going to survive this season, are leadership, experience, and intensity. I think those are absolutely key ingredients. So let's hope we get again. This is now seven losses in eight, one win in 13. And we've got players all over the pitch who just have lost all confidence and don't seem to know what they were doing. We showed last night, uh, midfield was all over the shop. Um, and the only way I can see to stem the flow of this tide is just to bring somebody else in. Uh, Frank got the job, the right decision, but it's quite clearly I don't think he's up to it. Uh, we need to make a change and do it quickly, otherwise the season is absolutely gone and we're looking over our shoulders for the next three months. You know, my spidey senses are that it, it probably won't change under Thomas Frank, but, you know, we did have these runs under Dean Smith, so it's, it's not impossible and, you know, you can look back at history and say, you know, by sticking with someone and believing in the right things and things can change, but it doesn't work every time. Just because it has worked in the past, it doesn't mean it works every single time. Um, you know, it's it's... Sometimes you've got to go with your hunch. I, I just thought that, as I said, you know, not, not 
all our players are playing um, as at, at their potential, but we we have got a long injury list. Two more def- two more defeats. I think his position becomes untenable. So that was it. The fans, not in the pub after the game, but this is the morning after. The fans, the morning after, the morning after Bill, as they say, and uh, fans are time to reflect. There's been a lot of chat, been a lot of chat been going down after Brentford's losses over the last few weeks. And people have got a lot of really good things to say, really interesting things to say. And they're talking from the heart, and that's what fans do. And what we try to do on this show is we try to reflect what the fans are thinking. Um, some of the people are actually either put their thoughts in there, as you heard, or some people have put it onto social media, on Twitter, onto Facebook. But there's a lot of dejection going on around them at the moment at Brentford. And there's a lot of dejection going around here at the table. And we just thought, let's sit down and let's talk about this. Because some of these things, they may be right. Some might be wrong. So we might be getting a bit too panicky too early. Or maybe we're actually not getting panicky early enough. I mean, the first thing that seems to be an issue that everyone keeps talking about is that we don't seem to be playing the same style of football as we were doing when we were relatively successful. Is that right? I think we're trying to play the same style of football but the way I see it at the moment is instead of playing passing the ball around in the opposition's half or just over the halfway line we're passing the ball around in our own 22 and what happens is other teams have worked us out they know if they press us and they keep pushing us back sooner or later we're going to make a mistake which we do and then they can capitalise on that mistake so I think we're trying to play the same brand of football but because we're We've lost confidence. We're not playing it far enough up the pitch. And it's it's take the easy pass to the side or the easy pass backwards rather than trying to thread the ball through to somebody in front. And although, to be fair, so often last night, the ball carrier, there was nobody, made, there was no movement in front of the ball carrier so many times. And so I don't think it's that we're not trying. I think it's just we've lost the confidence to do it with a panache that we were doing with it with before. And to, I mean, talking about how we were doing it before, I mean, the, the record at the moment now is we've won one game in 13. Um, as everyone, you know, the press, everyone will be telling you that Thomas Frank, who came in as uh, the head coach halfway through, he's won one game out of seven. So he's lost six games. He's won one game, he lost one. But before that, Dean Smith, actually, there was uh, uh, the games before that, he drew four and he won two out of those so it's quite black and white so he, he won two drew four games as well so um, is that right no 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 he no he drew he lost two and drew four so that's why we've only won one game in 13 so Dean Smith hadn't won any games either in six you know he'd lost a couple and he drew quite a lot of his games so yeah, he got a couple of points on the table, which is all good and quite interesting now because it's um, it's about 20 minutes into the, the Aston Villa game. Obviously, Aston Villa versus Nottingham Forest, you would have got this now. But there's already five goals being scored in that game. You know, um, Nottingham Forest are 3-2 up, so it's like the, the the losing run seems to be sort of being taken up to Birmingham as it, as it is at the moment now. And this whole concept of letting in goals and scoring goals seems to have gone across two teams. But anyway, let's come back to Brentford here, you know. Um, David, I know that you've got a lot of thoughts about you know about the way that we've been playing, and and, and have you got any reasons as to why things have flipped up? Uh, I have, I think. Yeah, I think if you look at our team, the team that played yesterday, I wouldn't say anyone would probably start with those boys out wide. They wouldn't be starting. We're struggling there, so 
we're backwards. We're on the back foot to begin with with our with our starting lineup. We'd have we'd have Watkins out there. We'd have Ben Rama out there. We'd have some we'd have some tricky. We'd have some pace. Last night we we'll talk probably talk about Judgy a bit later, but we were stuck with Judgy out on the wing. He was all over the place. There was no there was no width. Well, exactly. That's the problem. He wasn't holding his position. I don't know where he was playing. I couldn't tell you where he was playing. I couldn't tell you if he had a free roll and we were we were back on Judgy's team. It was when he was the key man. There were lots of things going on last night which which weren't very impressive. I would just say I spent most of the game trying to work out who was supposed to be on that wing, whether or not it was McLeod or Judge, because they both seemed to be trying to play the same position and neither of them were out on the wing. And that, that, was, that was also one of the criticisms of Judge when he was Judge's team. Was the fact that you know he did what he wanted, so you know I I I, I didn't you know I didn't I, I kind I kind of tried to absorb what was going on, going on in front of me, but you're right. There's so many players drifting here, there, and everywhere. I'm not even sure they knew what they were supposed to be doing, let alone me trying to work out what they were where they were. And you know, Judgy, he, he didn't have a bad game again. You know, another 90 minutes. Yeah, no. But you know. What, what did he actually do? Well, at points, it, it felt like it was turning into the judgy show. He was, he was all over the place. He was, he was sucked in from that wing. He was trying these sort of these flicks and these, these Hollywood balls, which sort of reeked of us of four years ago when we relied a lot on judge, when we needed him to do these things, when the opposition we were playing weren't as good. We need to be more measured now. We can't afford that sort of that sloppiness or that, that rogueness on the pitch. We need a... We're a rigid system. We work well when we've got our boys in the right positions, and Judgy just wasn't doing that last night. But who's to say that he wasn't told to do that, to, to, to go wherever he needed to be and to have a roving role? He might have been given a roving role for all we know. Unfortunately, that's my, my problem with, with Judgy, and I don't really want to be disrespectful to him because he's, he's a hero, and I, you know, I always admire what he's done for us. But at the moment... Um, you know, it's we're looking back to Judgy at his best, and are we trying to are we trying to play him into a move and helping him into a move? He's certainly not. The, he's not part of the future Brentford team. But you know, so I don't. Again, it's really difficult. I don't want to. I don't want to diss him because he's he's done 180 minutes over the weekend, and and, and he hasn't let us down at all. And he scored a great goal, and he puts in a, he puts in a chance, puts in with a chance of getting a point against Middlesbrough. But you know, it's he's neither a winger or a midfielder at the moment, and that, and again, we we'll never know. We won't know whether he's told to do that. But my hunch is that he does what he wants. So, Judgy, in an interview after the Borough match, I think he said these are his own words. I'm really struggling with being an out-and-out winger. It's it's a new position for me, just being an out-and-out winger, uh, which basically says to me that. He loves that free role. He's used to having that free role. He's that attacking midfielder. He's got no discipline and he just gets to, he gets to play his own thing. And I think that worked a while ago, but it doesn't work today, I don't think. There is a lot of chat on social media, and I'm one of the, the people that think this may be the role that he needs to be, is to play him much deeper so that he can dictate the game. It's all like play the, play, almost play the, the Woods role. Because he could t- take the play a lot more there without 
having and I, I, I find it hard to believe that nobody on the coaching team is is looking at that when we're short of players in that role. The question I say is that do you I mean you talked about and said that Judgey's quite has to be, you know, he's all over the place, which is a natural judgy thing, you know what I'm saying? He's like two wingers on one side and on the yeah. other side. So to, to be in that role, though, don't you have to be a little bit more disciplined in the way that you play? Because it's quite a specific role and it's quite an anchor role and you need to be, you know, you need to play in a particular type of way. But that's where player management comes in. That's where the head coach has to sit down and say, look, we really feel you could do a job for us here, but you need to do this job. And you're not going to do this job if you're... That's man management. And, you know, it's not. To, I, I really don't want to play the we said it first game, but that, that Woodsy playing... Um, I'm sorry, that, that um, Judgey playing a Woodsy role, the quarterback position, you know, we, we have talked about it probably half a dozen times on the, on the podcast. And, you know, and for people that say we're not independent of thought, you know, we, we are constantly trying to think of new ways to, to improve this team. It's, it's not about towing the, towing the club line whatsoever. So we, we, we've been speaking about this since the wheels started to come off. And now, now they seem both stabilisers have come off as well. It, 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 you know, we, we're not we're not ones that just say the obvious. You know, we've been looking at alternatives for quite a while now. Yeah, I mean, look, look, we've got to talk about the wheels coming off, as we say, because this is not a great situation. Like I said, we've lost six out of seven matches with the new head coach, uh, Thomas Frank. Uh, admittedly, each game is a, is a goal in one. Um, the plus side of it, we are scoring goals. You know, people might say, oh, no, we're rubbish, but actually we are scoring goals. So if we actually stopped letting, if we were Middlesbrough, we'd be, prob- we'd be, we'd be first or second in the league at the moment now because Middlesbrough don't let in any goals. But we are letting in goals. So if we, let in, if we score two, we let in three. The question I'm going to just put, go around the table here is he's come in to a situation where he's had to take over the reins and he's had to try and take the players on board and do his own thing and, and try and get the ball rolling. People are getting a bit nervous, but do you also not think that he needs to get his foot under the table a little bit? Because we've had this situation before with Dean Smith. Dean Smith had 13 matches when he first started off, relatively new manager, come into the, the club, had to sort out all sorts of nonsense. He won one game, if I remember rightly, out of 13. Is that right? Is it one game out of 13? Dean Smith had one. Um, and he drew two and he drew two of those matches. Or is he drew two and he drew... But anyway... One of the two, anyway, it was really quite bad. Um, and we lost to QPR as well, which is quite similar to this run here as well. But he got himself out of that because he was given time to sort out what he wanted to do. Do you not think this is the same situation for Mr Frank? It is and it isn't, isn't it? Because it's not like... Although, yes, there is the argument of time, but Dean Smith... And Richard O'Kelly came in from outside the club. And they came into a different environment and a different way of doing stuff than they'd be doing it at Walsall. And they had to buy into the system, get used to the players, finding out what the existing players could do, what they were capable of, where their best positions were. Thomas Frank should know all that already. So it's I don't think for me it's quite comparable. Because he knows those players, he knows what they can do, and he knows what the what the system is that has generally worked. So I don't think it's quite comparable with Dean Smith coming in from a completely different team into a completely different system, not knowing the players. Yeah, I I kind of agree. I agree, but the other side to it is is that not 
shiny new toy syndrome. So if, for instance, we had a manager who did come out of the club, he, he wasn't part of the club, he came in, would we, would we allow them more time? Would we, would we let this run past? Would we, would we be as, as sort of aggressive towards Frank? I, th- I think Frank's getting no leeway at all. He's, he's come in and I think everyone thinks he should pick this up and he should just roll with it and it should work straight away. But we're on a Dean Smith streaky run. This is what we're on. We've, we've had these runs before. It's what we do. Uh, I think Frank needs to be let off a little bit for this. I've got to say that, listen, I, I agree with you, but also you say it's a Dean Smith streaky run, but also there's two things here. I mean, the Dean Smith streaky run, eventually he gets out of the run and he does all right and he gets some nice runs and he gets another lovely gig at Aston Villa he can move on. But also, isn't it the job of a new head coach to sort out the problems with these streaky runs to make sure they don't happen again? Yeah, absolutely. Can't argue with that at all. But I don't think you plan for a streaky run. I don't think he's, I don't think he's on the training ground thinking... I'm enjoying this streaky run. I think he's trying. I think they're trying. I think we just are in one of these runs where nothing's going right. We've played some tough teams. We've played, we've played Middlesbrough. On paper, what do you think we get out of that? It's tough. It's tight. It's a draw. It's a loss. I don't think we're going to win that. But listen, I'm, I'm sitting here and being complete and utter devil's advocate. Yes, I agree with you. Play some tough teams, but... In the first and the second and the third and the fourth game of the season, and even the fifth game of the season, we were going, we are probably the best team in the league. We are wicked. No one else is going to beat us. Everyone's got a company, you know what I'm saying? So that is where we are. So all of a sudden, yes, all these teams are tough, but we, I think it's a bit of a cop-out to turn around and say, hold on, they're really tough and they've beaten us. And you know, because What does that make you? That makes you 16th or 18th or 20th, because that basically you're trying to say that we're not as good as them. It does, it does, but... I think that run at the beginning of the season set a few people, it set us wild. We, we beat Rotherham 5-1 and we thought, wow, this is good. This is really good. Next game. But we were good. We, we were great, we were great. But we were playing Rotherham and we caught them cold and we, we absolutely destroyed them. The first few games were good, they went well. Stoke, we caught them cold as well. Should have, beat, should have beaten them. I don't know, I just think that run at the beginning of the year probably, probably pushed us to thinking we were... Maybe a bit better than we were. We've levelled off a little bit. We've had a tough time, which we're in now. We're trying to get through. And I think we'll even it out. I think we'll level out of this. That's my feeling. So I'm going to be really honest. So um, the, the podcast that was lost last night, at the very end of the podcast, I, I tried to sum the situation up in one sentence. And what I said was, we've been sussed. Thomas Frank is not the right man for the job. We have we we clear the ball to the halfway line and by the time we faff around with it and try and get the ball out wide and look up, everyone the the opposition have like just reorganized themselves and we're looking at two banks of defenders in front of our we we've we are we are reliant on attacking wing wide men to be very good at their game and we had that early on. They're, they're not doing it. Canos is not doing it. Um, ben Rama is now injured. Watkins is injured and out. Um, we've, we've got we've, we've got Judgy who is four years ago he was a brilliant player and now he's trying to resurrect his career. We're, we're, we are, we're not where we were and you know there's been no bounce at all. It's been we've been flatlined since since um, since uh, Frank took over and. 
you expect you expect some kind of bounce. So you know, it's not you know, Dean Smith wasn't sacked. So it wasn't it wasn't as if we were we were you know getting rid of a manager. He went, but you do expect some kind of bounce, and we're not getting it. And I, and I don't think the players are doing it for him. I ha- I've, I agree with everything Dave's absolutely said about far too much time for teams to get their two backs of four behind. We're moving the ball too slowly. We're we're not moving the ball at place. We're not getting people running onto the ball, and. Um, the whole new manager bats not being there. What I found, one of the most alarming things for me last night was right at the end of the game, Frank telling, presumably telling Mepham to get up, get up, get up, as we're trying to get the extra, and Mepham arguing with him, which for me suggests that all is all is not happy in the state of Denmark. And something may be wrong. Okay, in the state of I mean, again, and this is, again, I'll only reflect, there's a few comments that's going around because... The, the question that people have, you know, the, one of the questions that people ask, they always ask if your team is not winning. They're just wondering, you know, whether or not the team are playing together, whether or not they're bonded together. You, you've hinted the fact that you've, you, you feel that there's some sort of disharmony within the camp. I've seen a lot of people that feel there may or may not be disharmony in the camp. You don't know whether or not that is the case or that isn't the case at all. Um, um, I know that there's people that have commented the fact that the fact that we, we just. Whether or not it's we're lacking in so lacking in confidence that we can't pick ourselves up, um, you know. But then after, is the head coach or the manager or the coaching team, whatever, are they meant to be be able to pick the team up? Is it up to the, the head coach or manager? Is it up to the the, the team themselves? Is it up to the captain? What, who who is picking the team up? I've got, I've got to ask you the question, Laney. Well, no, no one is. No one is picking the team up. Who should be? Well, the head coach. The head coach should be picking the team up. You know, he's the one that should understand. He's the head coach, so he takes coaching on the training ground. He's the one that organises all kinds of, you know, all the drills and all the tactics Monday to Friday. And on the Saturday, he picks the team. He's the one that gets them up for the game. He's the one that gets them up for the second half. He's the one that makes the substitutions. He's the but he's not on the he's not on the pitch though, is he? No, he's not on the pitch. But you know, you're. How do you how do you express this? Like, so he has he, the head coach should be in the heads of all the players. They should know what he wants, know knows what's expected of them, knows how to approach the opposition, knows how to time manage, knows how to hold the ball up, knows all the patterns of play. I think all the patterns of play have now gone out the window. I don't. I, I'm not sure what any of them think they should be doing at the moment, and I think. You know, of course we need to give him some time, and I, you know, I'm not asking for him to be sacked tomorrow. But what I'm saying is, I'm not, in fact, I'm not asking for him to be sacked at all. What I'm saying is, if it's not working, he goes back to his previous role. I, I, I think, I don't, I don't think we should be a hiring, firing club, and I, and I don't think that's the environment they're working in. And, but the head role position is not working for him at the moment. And my, my honest spidey senses are telling me it will not work out for him. So we'll, we'll see what happens. Let's give him to the Swansea game. We got West Brom, West Brom on, on Monday. We got Swansea at home on the on the next Saturday. If we don't get a win out of those two games, you know, I make it untenable. I make it untenable. And then, you know, then you've got this Vipers pit and this toxic fan environment on, on social media 
already you've got people, you know, trying to just wind it up into a certain area where, you know, where individuals are being bought out. It's almost it's becoming it's becoming like the wrong thing to defend. We got five seasons in this division, you know. That all of a sudden, like the whole everything has gone rotten. No, it, no, it hasn't. But you need to you need to take it on the chin when things are going wrong and identify where the problem is. The problem at the moment is there's no reaction from the head coach. As a head coach, not as a coach, as a head coach, and I and I think. Unless he, unless he can pull it around in the next two games, I think he needs to do the right thing and step down. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I don't know what you, <laughs> I don't know what you say to that, but I'll try and pick up on a couple of points from Laney there. I think last night we saw a couple of players. Uh, I'm going to name them. I think Judge and McLeod. I don't know what they were doing in that system last night. I'm not sure what they were listening to. I don't know what they were told, but. I'm not sure. I'm not sure to the looking in the ground, looking at them. I'm not sure what plan they were following. It didn't make sense. It wasn't. I don't know if they were being led. It didn't feel like they were being led. But another point I will pick up on from Laney as well, and probably what everyone else is feeling about about Frank not being a leader uh, at half time. Everyone was in that change room, and I think there was a proper bollocking. There was. There were a few things said last night. I think. I think we were two one down. No one knows how we were 2-1 down. We were, we were cruising. We started that game so well. It was six minutes in. Lovely ball from Sawyers. The old Morpai just gets it, cracks it. We're 1-0 up. And I think there was a bit of tension relieved. It, was, it felt good. It felt, it felt we, like... But, but we, almost, we almost conceded. Well, that's, that's my yeah, next bit. So from the kickoff, they take the kickoff. And uh, whilst you're probably still celebrating that goal, the, the crossbar's rattling. So... In that sense, they just needed someone to just say, "What we've just scored here." When you when you score a goal, you're at your weakest point. I think that's everyone says that in football. You've just scored. You're all over the place. Emotions are running high. You can't set up straight away. But you know that's an issue. So someone needs to say, "Guys, let's not." Who's that someone? Well, Sawyer's his captain. I mean, Sawyer's has got to be the one. I don't know. We, he's central. He's a leader. He's supposed to be our leader. He's he's the captain. Did he do it? Were they just shocked? Did Sheffield United just think they're weak here? Let's go for them. And they did they get through? There was a nutmeg, and the ball got played to the penalty spot. So I don't know. But that was too soon to concede such a big chance like that. I'm going to come to it in a minute, Ali. But I'm just picking up this point there because you said Sawyer's as captain. I'm, we've got to ask this because we've had a obviously a situation where we had a pool of captains, where we had a leadership group or whatever you want to call it, which has been binned, right? So we basically passed passed the parcel around the team on captain who wants to be captain today oh not me right so they passed it around that's that's not happening now I would I would hazard a guess because it probably didn't work um, no but you know because the fact is that so, you know you know you, I mean everyone's played play games I don't think you need to you're a captain no, but we, we, we actually said when it was introduced these kind of things are, are all, all well and good when, we, when you're winning we, we did say that we said like uh, when you're winning there is no, there's nothing. You can be as crazy as you want because it works, and it's 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 like setting up a system for when you don't win. And at the moment, you know, the, the first that one of the first things that he binned was this rotating sort of revolving door captain nonsense. So, so listen, so rotating door um, captain nonsense, as you said. So look, 
I'm just coming back to the point, and I'm going to come to you again, Ali, because you've said Sawyer's captain. The question I want to ask you, is Sawyer's captain? I mean, we could sit around the table there and say, is Sawyer's, is he the captain? Is, should he be? Because we had this last couple of seasons ago with Bidwell. We were asking, is Bidwell the captain? Because we didn't think he was really the captain. And then even John Egan last season, we thought, mm, he's a bit quiet, isn't he? Like, you know, maybe, maybe he was, maybe he was all right, maybe showed it different. But is Sawyer's the person to, to lead, you know, do you see him doing those captain-y type things? Uh, yes. I do see some of them. I do see some of them in Sawyer's. I think, I think we don't see them in the traditional sense. Like, a, I don't know if I should mention John Terry. I'm not sure if I should, but John Terry. You're all right with John Terry, but yeah. any but relations? That is, that is what we all look for in the old captain. Sawyer's is a little bit different. His playing style probably doesn't help him. He strolls around sometimes. It looks so easy for him. It doesn't look like he's putting any effort in. But Sawyer's is, Sawyer's is the one who talks to the ref. He's the one who... He's the one who does lead this team. He is. He's, he's one of our senior players. He is the captain. I mean, he might not be the best captain. He might not be great, but he is the captain. I'm just going to preface this next comment with I'm not laying into Romain here because I think he's a fabulous player. But when you start off with this leadership group thing, that was because there was nobody, obviously, who was the captain. There was no standout candidate to be captain. And then when you then decide you're going to have to captain and it's Romain Sawyers who you can't really look at and say, oh yeah, he's a real leader. It's just sort of like, it's almost like, well, he's probably the one player who's going to be on the team sheet every week if he's fit. He's one of the older players. He's one of the senior players. So we'll just go with it. It's almost like he's captain by default. There is no, for me, there is no, And I see why, because there is no... Jonathan Douglas, Tony Craig, Harley Dean type character in there. For to, to there's no, there just doesn't seem to be any leadership from the bench or any leadership on the pitch at the moment. And I think when you've got an incredibly young team who are so low on confidence, you need somebody, a McCormack type character to get at, get at them and g them up and get them going. I'm easy by Sunday. I'm easy by Sunday morning. By the way. You look easy. Um, easy like a Brentford defence. Um, it's 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 a little bit nonchalant. I think it was a little bit um, a little bit crass, really. To this, this revolving captain thing was was not great. It was almost like we felt so comfortable that we could put any old team out, and like, it doesn't really matter who's captain. So I, I look at I look back at it as it doesn't matter who's captain. We're still going to win. And, and and now and now it's like we've got no we've we've, we've got no captain. That, that's a, you revolve the captaincy because you've got no captain. It's not like it, it doesn't matter. It's actually there is no obvious choice. Uh, I'm just going to say, but who do you think who do you think should be captain, Lady? Oh uh, yeah, Romain Sawyer's at the moment, but there's there's no general in the middle. David, it's funny you should say the general, but. I think Soy should be captain, yeah. Soy is his captain. He should be captain. Ali? I have abs- there is no captain in that team. There is no captain in that team. If I had to choose, if I had to choose, I think Mepham. Ah, so I was going to ask. Chris, Me- Chris Mepham? It- no one's really mentioned him. Is it because he's just young? I mean, does he not show... Has he not showed that kind of oomph and that kind of... Yes, absolutely, yes. 
he you change your mind now? No, no. I'll... That's what happens, mate. You get a few Guinnesses down you, and all of a sudden you're all over the place. You know what I'm saying? I'm anybody. No integrity. No, no. But no, no, that's a joke, actually. Of course, you've got plenty of integrity. Mepham is a future captain, a future Wales captain. But the way we're going at the moment, the way things are sort of panning out, if we have, if Mepham's captain, and look at sometimes the errors that lead to goals. I don't think a lot of them are Mepham's fault, but there could be so much pressure on someone who is that age. I mean, he goes through the game, over a 90-minute game, Mepham plays near-perfect, 87-minute perfect match. There's just these couple of minutes, and does he need the captaincy burden? Who doesn't? Who could take it? Sawyers. I think Sawyers can take that. He's probably, he's probably had this abuse all his career for being languid and tall and slow. He, he can deal with it. Sawyers is not a leader. Fabulous player, but not a leader. If you want a player with experience, Judge was the one who was most fired up last night. But is he is he when everybody's fit? Is he going to be in, in the team? Probably not. So yeah, lots of discussion there, talking about the team. But we're going to come back, have a little break, a little twang. And after we come back, we're going to talk about that midfield. The Brentford midfield. Is it happening? Is it not happening? What do they need to change? So, Brentford, midfield, was always something that we were proud of. We used to play teams of the park. We used to pass them off the park. You know, we used to play the balls up to the men up front. We used to have people who could run at the defenders. You know, we had a midfield which was dynamic, which was just, just was doing things. Nowadays, our midfield... I think somebody said, what's the word? Languid. Insipid. I don't know if that's another one. Um, what is What has gone wrong? Because the fact is that, you know, okay, we've got a couple of injuries. Is it the fact that we've got one or two or three players out? Has this affected our team so much? Or is it the fact that our, our side is still slightly unbalanced and, and we, we still need a couple of key players in there? David. Uh, the midfield. Oh, where do we begin with the midfield? <laughs> so, the midfield for Brentford is very, very... Well, I think it's quite precise. I think the last few games we've just been... <laughs> we've been exposed a little bit, I think. I think a lot of people's limitations have come to the fore. Exposed in which way, though? Tell me. I think the main one out of that is probably McLeod, I think. I think at the beginning of the season, if you looked at the, the lineups, McKechnie and McLeod, everyone thought they were world beaters and they, they were playing well, they were great. They were dominating teams. But how tough, how tough was the opposition they were playing? I don't think at that time it was. It was it, we started well, but they were coasting through games. We were at home, we were, we were on so much form. Popping it around, they were dominating, keeping the ball for fun. But if we look at it yesterday and Borough, I think McEachern and McLeod, I mean, it's pretty obvious that if we continue with those two in midfield, we're in, I think we're in a bit of trouble. So Josh Rood says, we'll go into Josh quickly. Going forwards, absolutely fantastic. On the ball, one of the best in the league. He's got, he, make, he scores really, really highly in some stats, like progressive pass numbers. He's brilliant at that, absolutely brilliant. He is one of the best in the league, getting the ball forward, getting the ball into the final third. What we do well, but... The defensive side of his game is it's almost non-existent. It's it's as if it, it as if it doesn't exist. He's um, he's kind of just there, and things are going through him. Players are running off him. 
there's no protection for the boys at the back. They are young and they are just getting completely bamboozled. So, so is it, I mean, you, I know you're, you're, you're a bit of a stats man yourself, so you, you've got a little bit of paperwork, you've got a little bit of information that you pulled together out on on a particular on a number of things, but including a bit of information on Josh McEachern, which you thought was quite interesting, which you want to impart on the on the Besotted podcast community, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. So Josh is a really divisive player. I mean, you'll have people who would just absolutely adore him, think he could do no wrong. Others that just can't stand him. And uh, maybe maybe both of them have their maybe both of them are right to that. But per ninety, so this is ninety minutes average per ninety. Passes to the final third. Josh McEachern is the best in the league. He averages about fourteen point five a match. So that's picking the ball in like deep positions in our half, which we know he does a lot. He gets the ball in our half, but getting it to the final third, he does that about fifteen times a match. So that is that's a lot. He's the best in the league at that. The n- number three on the list is actually Ryan Woods, a person who we know quite well. He's pretty good at that as well. But that's what I feel like. That's what we're suffering a little bit. I, I think the club probably thought that we've got Josh McEachern. He can do a lot of the what Ryan Woods could do, but the fact of the matter is, I don't think he can. Woodsy was a lot more efficient in what he did. He could control so much space behind him. He actually, we look at it now and we think we could do a more defensive minded midfielder, but when you look at McLeod, I mean, he makes Woods look like Makaleli. He's, uh, sorry, not McLeod, uh, McEachern. Woods was, uh, Woods was a proper screen. So he did a lot better for us there. So. McEachern going forward, brilliant. He is one of the best in the league at what he does. We'd miss him if he wasn't there. But my my thinking is, do we do we give up with do we give up something in the sense of how good Josh is on the ball? Someone who isn't quite as good on the ball as him, and they're a bit more robust, and they do actually offer our team the screen that we just, we need. That's my thinking. Another thought as well, and we're just throwing it into the pot because if Josh McEachern does particular things. Um, but he's also been a defensive midfielder. Do you get a combination? You know, is it also about the combination that's playing? Because at the moment now, he, we're saying that the combination isn't working um, with him. So, is it changing the combination to, uh, to allow him to go and do what he wants to? I think so. Absolutely, yes. Um, I think the injury to Makocho has really balls us up. I think he'd play a lot more by now. He'd, he'd be playing a lot more football. He'd probably be phasing Nico out the side. We wouldn't be needing Yanaris as much, and Makocho would be the one. But He's been injured for the last couple of months. So what we're doing instead is we're playing our attacking lineup. Like I, I look at McLeod and McEachern as quite an attacking midfield. I mean, what? Who's, if you look across the league, who's going into who's going into games with those two players as their central midfielders? You look at Borough, Adam Clayton in the middle. I mean, he's a warrior. What we have with Josh McEachern is, say, for instance, set pieces and corners. We've got Josh, and we have to push Josh out of the danger area, and he has to sit on the edge of the box because our defensive midfielder is not really robust enough or he's not solid enough to, to get into the war zone. I mean, do you think Pulis is asking Clayton to get out of the box? He's getting him right in the mix. So we're, we're kind of limited there. But playing McLeod next to him, I mean, it's, it's just not going to work. We need to get someone in. To get the best out of Josh, you need someone next to him, like Makocho, someone who's going to dig in next to him and get the best out of him, let him go and play and let him go and do what he does well. So, so again, I'm going, to keep, I'm going to rotate around the table here as well because like I said, there's a, you've come out with some interesting points here as well and you've, you've flagged a couple of players. We'll, we'll bring a few more players into but let's talk about um, McLeod because McLeod is a player, especially after last night's game, it's maybe not necessarily fair to, to, to pin it on just one game you know, because yesterday he was literally missing action, you know what I'm saying? But over a period of time, but McLeod, 
I mean, we've got into this whole thing, you know, if you had to sort of, you know, chop three players from your whole side, which players would you choose? Now, at the moment now, McLeod, what exactly is his role? What is he doing? And the question I'll say is, because it's easy to turn around and point fingers saying, you're not doing the, the right thing. Who else, if he, if he ain't the right person, who else would you play in his place? I think, I think um, McLeod's a prime example of how standards have dropped from, from the first three or four or five games of the season where um, McEachran and, and McLeod were playing really, really well and we're thinking, oh, like, everything's rosy. And now they've slipped back from that pedestal and we're probably 10, 10% or 15% per player below where we were at in terms of, um, in terms of di- their, their dynamism. And, and, I, and I'm, you know, we, and I, I, for the for the, at the sake, of, you know, for the sake of repeating myself, you know, we're just not hurting people out wide anymore. We're not getting the ball past defenders. We're not dribbling with the ball. We're not travelling with the ball. We're trying to, we're trying to just play these needle through the, you know, threading threading the ball through the eye of a needle into the area, trying to dribble through five challenges to 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 get a shot on in goal. You know, it, it, it's becoming laboured now. So these midfielders, these midfielders are really, really important. If 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 they're not, we need a stable selection. And I don't, I don't think, I don't. Obviously, obviously the the um, injuries aren't help aren't helping us here. Um, but we just don't seem to be. For example, like Josh De Silva. You know, we're crying out for him to start yesterday, um, and I, I, I know for a fact that you know they're thinking he's not got 90 minutes in him, and, he, and he's and he's like he get come, he's working his way back into fitness from um, from injury. But instead of saying give him the last 15, 20, why don't they say give us the first 30? You know, start with your strongest, your most robust, your 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 most aggressive team start with that and then bring in others you know they, they seem to have they seem to be starting with a, a also it's like at the moment they start starting with a wishy-washy midfield and then they're going to bolster it up later in the game they need to bolster it up from the kickoff and then, if it doesn't work out, you only, you only get 90 minutes fit by playing 90 minutes. You don't get 90 minutes fit by playing 20 at the end. So start with him. You know, judges played 180 minutes in the last uh, in, in this weekend. I wouldn't have thought he was one for 180 minutes. You know, but and you've got younger players in him who, who aren't trusted with with 90 minutes. And I, and I think sometimes, you know, for a gambling team, we need to take a gamble. I agree with a lot of what Laney's just said. I mean, I don't think I was the only one who saw the team selection last night. I went eye roll, basically, for want of a, and probably a few swear words. Um, I'm a, I'm a massive, I have been a massive fan of McLeod. I think he is a, he has the potential to be an absolutely fabulous player. What has happened to him since he came back from the injury? I have no idea. He's just disappeared as a player, and you can't keep playing players on what they might do we can't keep selecting people because they might do this and it's very interesting what you say about McEachern and passing the ball forward because my perception of McEachern is he slows it down so that's obviously not 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 quite 
the, the perception is not what's actually going on. So my perception is very much that McEachern slows it down. And we do, we slow it down way too much. We have all these players, although admittedly they've been injured, all these players with pace, and nobody wants to run with the ball. Not so much last night, but then Barragher. Moses might not be as quick as he was before his injury when we had him first time around. Still quick. He, run, he doesn't run into space. There's space there. Doesn't run into it. Are they told not to run forward with the ball? Have they got it so in their heads that they've got to get their pass completion right and they can't take, a, you know, take the ball on? And we, for all our saying, oh, Watkins isn't playing nearly as well. Watkins has gone off the boil. My God, you notice what he was giving us when he's not there. That outlet ball. The outlet ball and the link with Malpe, who looks so isolated. Yeah, McLeod has, I mean, he's gone backwards. I, I don't know what, I don't know, I'm, I, I struggle with McLeod. I really want to, I really want to get him. I, I know why he's in the team, because he's brilliant. He's brilliant at set pieces. That's his, that's his thing. He's great he's from corners. Yeah, he's not been, but he's great. I mean, he is good at them. That's, that's what he does. But just quickly, like, McLeod last night, uh, 24 out of 24, well, he completed 24 passes, and these were all backward passes. Like, he's completed other passes than that, but 24 of his passes were backwards last night. I mean, that, you can keep possession, but Brentford's play in the midfield, it's always been about, I think this is the tactic, we can all get it. It's short, it's quick in the middle, and it's getting the ball out wide for one-on-ones with teams. And it's forward. And forwards, yeah, forwards. It's got to be forward. Yeah, I mean, we are, we are on a, we're a progressive team. But something at the moment has, it's really slowed down. We're not really being incisive. And that ball, is it getting forward quick enough? Is it getting forward regularly enough? Is it because we don't have our top wide players out wide? The options aren't there? We may talk about Canos a bit, a bit more in depth later, but something just doesn't feel right. The, 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 prob- the problem is, once, once um, you've sort of uh, educated Brentford fans on, on stats and, 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 you, and you, you, you've kind of encouraged us to see football in a different way uh, it's very hard to kind of like retract from that so you know I'm not saying we've got all the information that the people that are sitting in the training ground have got because obviously that's, the, that's, that's their job but it's really difficult to, to use the word unlucky or, or uh, you, you, you know you, you can't go back to cliche once you've once you once the beast is out the room, you, you, you have to kind of go with it. And the, the stats show that we're failing in many areas across across the pitch. You know, um, it, it, it's it's undisputable where we are we aren't where we were, and the stats the stats underline it. I, one thing I really noticed last night, more than any other game, is how many times our midfielders receive the ball with their, uh, their back's goal and none of them turned. They just played the ball sideways or backwards. There's so few of them turned to go forward. It was easy pass sideways or backwards. Yeah, absolutely. It's just turn. Somebody turn. McLeod was guilty of that a couple of times. It was pretty obvious, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just quickly on Josh, though, this is another interesting point I would like to add. So if you look at his last sort of five, six years, I mean, he's spent, I mean, he has spent a bit of time injured, but not as injured as people think. That's a bit of, that's a, bit of a misconception. So Josh, this season, he has played 1,085 minutes. Uh, last year, he played 1,162 minutes. So where are we? We're at the end of November. He's already equaled the minutes total of last season. 
what more do I don't know what what more does he have in the tank what is he is he energetic is he physical enough to go for the rest of the season are we are we going to see an injury soon is he going to break down we, we kind of don't know the last time he completed more than 1,200 minutes in a season was 2012-2013 where he completed 2,875 minutes for Middlesbrough uh, he, he played 38 games but since then I mean I don't know is he, is he in the red zone are we playing a player that we don't think can complete a match? I mean, when was the last time he completed 90 minutes? Someone will probably know that, but it's not very often. He comes off regularly. And I don't know, are we, are we kind of... Are we, are we playing him and sort of thinking about a sub made already? Is that why Josh De Silva isn't starting? Because we know we've got another player who we're going to have to sub off. I, still, I mean, I still maintain that with, all the, with, it, with everything that isn't going right at the moment, we're not a million miles away from it being okay again. And, um, you know, it's very easy for, for us to be very doom and gloom. And the atmosphere when we walked out of Griffin Park last night, well, it wasn't great. But, you know, we're, we're not playing awfully. There are, there are areas of big concern, but none, none of them are, are fundamental. It's, it's just it's re, it's, it's, it's a it's a culmination of probably five different factors that all need to be solved, and the the, the head coach has to be culpable for that, and it, it's for him to sort out now. He's got he's got a, he's got an extended weekend now where he can spend time on the training pitch. He can spend time with his squad, spend time evaluating the last three, four, five, six, seven, eight games that he has been in control of and he can hopefully put in measures that stop it happening at West Brom. West Brom is probably, in my mind, our biggest test of the season. They are really offensive. They have all the ingredients to really, really hurt us. And, you know, if we're not, if we're not at the races, we, we, we are possibly going to get a big turnover. If we get turned over at, at, um, at the Hawthorns, he has, to, he has to go. He has to walk away. We can't do a, a four, five, six nil at the Hawthorns. We have to get a result there. We have to get a draw or a very narrow, plucky defeat. If we lose against Swansea, he has to, again, fall on his own sword. We don't want to be sackings. He needs to go back to do, do what he was good at. But he's got two games now to save his job. And, you know, in, in my mind, that I, I think, you know, I think, I think that's, it's as black and white as that. Sorry, we're sitting here and it's Wednesday night as you can hear the live music here at the um, the George IV in Chiswick. Actually, they've always nice little, nice little, nice little musical interlude that we get here as well. They keep asking us to come up on stage, and we told them just because we've got a microphone doesn't necessarily mean we're going to sing. Not yet. Maybe we might do a little bit later. But also, it's all going off now in the football today. I mean, the Aston Villa, Aston Villa, Villa Park. You probably see this, listen to this in the morning, and you'll see the score. But for us now, this is such a Brentford game. It's four three to Nottingham Forest now. You know, so it's all ding dong, ding dong. Seven goals being scored. Goals being let in at home. It is such a Brentford game, as we say, is that one as well. And also, Ipswich are beating Bristol City as well. And this was just hilarious because, like, you know, Ipswich don't beat anybody. So, um, you know, I had a little um, uh, chat with my mate Rob from uh, Fernandes to say, you know, who's going to be, be who's going to out rubbish each other sort of this season because, you know, both Brentford and Bristol City were touted to be doing good things and now it's all turning on its head as well. Um, that's too old now, Bristol City, Ipswich. I don't know, there you go on. But anyway. Listen, we're going to come back to what we're chatting about here. Coming back to Thomas Frank, and I'm asking the question, again, I'm asking the questions that other people have been asking out there. Um, risk-taking. Do you think, Frankie boy, Thomas, is, 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 is a, do you think he's a risk-taker? Does he, 
is he pushing the boat out a little bit or is he slightly more conservative and also coming back to that is he conservative if he's been conservative is it because of what's happening so far within the team and the results big c or small c big c or small c conservative small c yeah um, I think I, in fact I, I think um, considering we're a, a gambling owned team I think we're actually quite conservative in, in, in our team selection and, and the players that we give um, an opportunity to um, considering there's also non-negotiables where you've got B team players that have to you know ha- have to come through the ranks and be given a chance I don't actually think we actually give a lot of our B teamers a chance um, in the first team we give we might give them a, a we might actually fledge them we might give them their a, you know their first cap or their first appearance or their first away trip or you know they can make the tea at half time I don't know what they do but you know I, I don't think we give we don't I, don't I don't think we believe in them actually in the first team and um, you know it, it seems to still there seems to be an advantage to be a bought player than there is as a homegrown player and you know it's easy for me to say you know we, we you know hindsight and crystal ball is is brilliant you know and I know it's on Twitter and it's not be making everyone anyone wrong or right but you know people saying oh we should have kept hold of Harley Dean and we we should have we should have kept hold of uh, John Egan you know John Egan you know we got a four million quid for John Egan come on you know he's not four, he's not a four million pound player. You know, and you know, so you know, Jack McConnell. You know, he, he's he's beefed up a bit now. He's a player we should have kept hold of him. You know, we we can't keep hold of everyone. I mean, there, there has to be flux. But you know, I'm not I'm not sure that sometimes we give the B teamers a chance. And uh, I, f- I find that li- a little bit galling when it not galling. I find it a little bit baffling when um, we are uh, owned by a gambler. You know, I, I think they, I think they're happy to take a gamble on someone they brought in, and that's probably systemic of most football clubs. We we aren't thinking differently in that respect. Okay, I'm, I'm just again sitting there being that devil's advocate, but on the flip side of it, there is also an argument to say that the club um, didn't buy a third striker this season because they wanted to bring Marcus Force through from the B team. You know, so you basically you got Malpay, then you got Watkins, and you got Force as the third player. We didn't bring somebody else in hasn't worked out because you know forces got injured but that that was the reason why they said they didn't they didn't bring him in okay so forces got injured joe hardy's knocking him in for fun for the b team why is he not coming in and taking the position of force i don't ask me i'm just being i'm just it's beyond me he scores like every bloody game admittedly he scored tonight didn't he 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 scored against against who uh, Metropolitan Police in the London FA Cup. Met Police, I've been down but, there, Ember Court. He is. I mean, and admittedly, he's not. He's not gonna oust Malpay, but he is a player in form, in confidence, who is banging in goals for fun, and he is not even considered when Watkins is injured as our backup striker. He's not even considered to be sat on the bench. No, not being funny. Like, we've been the biggest advocates of the B team. We, we could not. We could not have champion the B team anymore and what is the point of someone smashing goals in the B team and not even get benched and he must be thinking what's the point he must be thinking what's the point not, you know, and we've got players that are on our bench who we won't even give a sniff to Josh Clark you know what's he done wrong you know he, he's on the bench and it's almost like it, it would take it would take some sort of nuclear incident before he came on <laughs> 
I, I do think, um, yeah, I mean, nuclear holocaust, then we might see Josh Clark back in the team. But oh, I said incident, not holocaust. Oh, well, sorry, incident, incident. But no, I, I, I agree a bit there, actually. I do think there's a, there's a case behind that. Ogbené, I, I don't know, we've probably spoken about this a bit, but... I, I may have mentioned him. Yeah, I, I think, if you look at the last couple of games, we were crying out for someone with just raw pace out wide something just to stretch like I don't think we got behind much against Sheffield United and we should have done he'd have terrified them last night look at them I mean O'Connell can barely run Egan can barely run Ogbené can run but going back to something you mentioned earlier it's, um, it's, it's Sergi Canos oh, I don't know I'm not, I'm, something isn't quite right there something isn't quite right is he playing too much football would he be dovetailed with the Ben Ramas and the Watkins Something just doesn't feel right with Sergi. I don't know. It's, it seems well, weird to say that. Difficult. <laughs> it seems weird to say that, but would he be phased in and out of games? Is he starting? Can he handle a packed defence? Does he need to build? Does he need to come off? Does he need to come off the bench and be the one that injects something? Maybe know, this, all this know. clapping is wearing him out. Um, <laughs> but I you know. I, I'm, I'm, it's almost like we brought you on just to team me up. You know, Ogbené was someone that I. People have people have, people have accused me of having Ogbené Tourette's, where I just like chuck his name in. But you know, he, he's so unpredictable. I'm not, you know, again, I'm not sure he knows what he's doing himself. So you bring him on. You need a. You know, we, we've had these big Germans. They, they've obviously by it, targeted the fact we need someone big to come on and, and get their head to the ball. You need, you need a random wild card, and, and he always provided that. And then to give him an extended loan at Exeter, I, I said it at the time. I did. Say he is through back in January, actually, so we can we can recall him back in January, or Benny. So he, and he, he needs to get minutes under his belt, obviously. Yeah, no, I, I, I do under, I do understand the fact that you know minutes in someone else's first team, but you know again another bone of contention. He's not he's not got a lot of minutes for for the Grecians. You know, so we, there needs to be, you know, um, when I, when we played back the Rob Rowan box pop um, on on the radio show last week, you know, he was saying that we need to get the um, the loan system right. The loan system doesn't seem to be particularly working for us well. It's um, you know, we need we need guarantees. If we if we lend someone a player, they need minutes. There's no point, you know, they're better on our, you know, Ogbené's better on our bench than Exeter's. If I remember rightly, Ogbené went out on loan almost immediately after he came on in that game and started, which game was that? I can't remember which one it was. Sorry? Chelsea. And he was running through the mill and it was frightening and he was, and you just, you looked at me and thought, well, there's the backup to Malpe. And then the next day he's going on loan to Exeter and you think... Because we're, uh, we're overrun with strikers. It was, it was said on the podcast almost the next day. We said, we hope that that's a guy that needs to be starting on Saturday. Just, just for his unpredictability and his raw potential. And, and, and then he went out alone. I think what Ogbené has as well, which we've been really lacking these last few games, and it's, that's another thing that's really been exposed, it's, it's pace. When you, play a tie like, when you play a side like Borough, they are deep they are hard and they are I mean the only way you get through them is with quick play and a bit of pace out wide the last few games we've looked very very slowly the only times we had a bit of pace Sawyers he 
people probably don't think he's the quickest player, but when he scored that goal, it was an own goal, but he just injected, there was some pace there, it was yeah. quick, he just burst through, it was, it was unstoppable. When Morpai got a bit of pace past Egan, that ball was great through to him, a little bit of pace. We've got Ogbené sort of sat around at Exeter, and it just doesn't feel right. He's probably one of our quickest players, and when you do have injuries, it, it probably shows up what you're missing. Now, without Ben Rama in the team, you, you, you are looking for pace. And, you know, that, that's clearly what's lacking from our, uh, our line-up at the moment, is, is that burst of speed. And you know, Ogbené and, um, and De Silva are two players that do provide that. They're strong, they're big, they're really robust. They, they, they're, uh, they're unpredictable, yeah. But they're, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't actually kind of negotiate that. You can't, you can't. It's difficult to defend it. How exciting was that run from De Silva against Borough, where he just sort of picked up the ball and he said, "Just get out of my way. Whoever's near me, you're not going to catch me." He just drove in, and, and Randolph had to pull out a proper save to keep that out. But we've been missing that. We have. I think. We spoke about it earlier, but we have kind of been sussed out a little bit tactically, where people sort of press us, they sit on us, they know what Josh does, they know how long he takes on the ball. I think, I think it's twofold. It's you know, people have people have sussed us to a certain extent, but we've also we've also we've backed stopped off. doing what we do. So we're yeah. we're we're ten percent ten percent worse than we were, and people have kind of kind of worked out how to stop us. And the other thing as well is we've stopped pressing high up the pitch when we don't have the ball. You know, the other team gets the ball and we're right back in, well inside our own half. Whereas before, we would press and press and press and we were right on top of them, we're not but, doing it. But this is, I'm going to, so what's this, I mean, you're telling all this, what's this down to? Is this down to, and I keep asking, is, it, is this the, the coach? Is it the players? Are they just not doing what they're told? Are they not being coached right? Are they, are they confused? Somebody said that they reckon that, you know, the players didn't, really understand what they what they've been told to do you know that's what again we get all sorts of different views from the terrace what, what is the answer well I think we need to sep- separate it out into three or four different areas um, looking at the players injuries have played a, a, a big role in it where we are we're missing players that we we would rely on and, and players that we would hope would make an impact but aren't deemed to be fit to start so that's one issue um, the, man- the manager head coach situation is a separate issue um, I think he's the wrong man personally as, a, as, a, as a, me as a lone voice I don't think I don't think Thomas Frank will work for Brentford that's not to say he won't I said it's just my opinion um, I think he's picking favourites that aren't in best positions, and I think that um, they're not they're not reacting for him. I don't think they believe in him as head coach. I think they believe in him as a coach, but not the head coach. Um, and I also think fixtures have been really shit for us. I think we've had like four really really shit fixtures, um, and I, I also think that um, we're we're missing. We're missing like a, a Ryan Woods kind of player, where you know I'm not saying him because he he's all he obviously was always going to go, but we're missing someone who can kind of get the ball, not slow it. Down. He, he, he slowed it down in a different way. He, he, he was he was the outlet. He got the ball, 
but he was always looking to pass forward. We're, we're, getting, we're getting midfielders now that get the ball, but then looking to pass backwards. They're looking for a stats, stats record, a pass rather than, rather than an assist. I've just got a question though as well. I mean, we've talked a lot about this, talked about midfield, we've talked about the head coach. We haven't really talked that much about defence and defence is a, is a major issue because as we said to you is that if we stopped letting in goals, we'd be right up there because we are scoring goals. What, what is the issue here? There's been a number of things that have been thrown around the place. There's the fact that, you know, we've got two young defenders and we just got to let them play. There's the fact that we haven't got an experience inside that defence. We've got the fact that people are just kind of like caught out of position. They've got their heads down. There's, there's all sorts of theories flying around as to why our defences do the business. But we, we have to remember is that, you know, we've had those problems with Dean Smith. And I think to a certain extent, we also had it with, with, with Mark Warburton as well. We had a sort of defensive issues as well. So this is not a new thing for Brentford. This is a, an ongoing situation. And it is something that we thought was solved, like I said to you last season, when we had the Mepham uh, Bielen scenario, which things seemed to settle down a little bit. But now we seem to be a little bit all over the place. Now, why are the reason, is the reason for that? I think, and I, I, I don't like to put blame on individual players, I think a lot of it at the moment stems from a lack of confidence in Bentley from the defence. I think they feel slightly jittery. He's slightly jittery. He's presumably still in the team because he's good with the ball at his feet, but he's... Passes and kicking have been woeful recently. Um, so I think with young central defenders in front of him, the fact that they don't have 100% confidence in the man behind them isn't helping them. I think they're both young, and, and it, hindsight is a wonderful, wonderful thing, as we all know. But you look at it now and you think Meppen was so much better with Bielen next to him, Konza would probably be so much better with Bielen next to him. You've got two young players next to each other in a team that are struggling and struggling defensively and there's no calming senior figure there to say look it's alright we'll just do this you know and Bielan wasn't a shouter but he marshalled Meppen really well and Meppen shone with Bielan and there's nobody to help Konza do that and at, the, and at the same time Konza is having to cover where Dalsgaard is so horrendously out of position. Dalsgaard's positioning season has been shocking. And the one thing that drives me, makes me crosser than anything else, Dalsgaard, he'll make this run forward. He will lose the ball. The other team will be belting 100 miles an hour with the ball. What is Dalsgaard doing? He's taking a leisurely jog back while the whole of that side of the pitch is exposed. And Conte's having to come across and then the central defensive partnership is there. And bang, there's room in the middle. And... I don't know what happened to Dalsgaard after the World Cup, but he is not the same player. David A, I know that you are a big, big fan of our central defensive duo, and anyone who sort of recommends that we should be swapping it up, you're not, you're not happy with that at all. You think that we should be sticking with these boys. I'm not saying that we shouldn't do, because I think they're fantastic. But let's hear your view. Yeah, I'm a big fan of the centre-back pairing. They are, they are brilliant. They're absolutely brilliant. They are. Uh, just quickly though Bivali's point about Dalsgaard I mean Dalsgaard's another divisive one Dalsgaard's played the most minutes in the division he's been to the World Cup he's played the most minutes in the division no no he doesn't but I think I think we underestimate how important he is to us I think he's a big boy he's six foot whatever we're a small side I mean 
he's played it as I said yeah he's played the most minutes in the division he's up and down that right hand side but if you look at us now just quickly just tactically I won't go too boring on this one but when Bentley does have that ball now what's our outlets well how does Bentley get rid of the ball because people have sussed us Mepham splits wide Konza sits wide McKechnie drops deep We've got four of the opposition marking everyone. They're, they're pressing us high. So our only out... Well, not our only outlet, but one of our main outlets is that chip ball out ride to Dalsgaard. Dalsgaard is... I mean, if we didn't have that, I, we'd be hoofing that ball up to Morpai to get to his chest or his height against Egan, for instance. Uh, I mean, I, would, I wouldn't want to chip many balls to Moses. I, I mean, Moses has got his strengths, but he's not airily strong. So Dalsgaard's an outlet for us. We People probably aren't going to like it, but... He's been an important player for us. Well, it's, I don't think it's just because he's tall. I think he's. I think he is at the moment. I think he's been awful this season. I really do. And I think if you're a, if you're a fullback, you have to defend. And it's great that he wants to go forward. It's great. Don't get me wrong. But if he's going to get caught forward, he has got to sprint back. The problem for me is like if you look at our team as individuals they're all like really great you know and, and you know you are people I, I know listening to this going Ugh. but you know you've got um, you've got Dalsgaard World Cup quarter finalist semi-finalist quarter finalist it's pretty incredible you know um, you've got um, you've got Mepham Wales International you've got um, you've got uh, Konza England under 19 international under 21 international sorry um, you've got Barbe, who I think is a brilliant player. He's, he's, he's obviously not perfect. You've obviously got Odebaggio, um, who you know we sold for a lot of money, and he's come back and he's, he's seen as a, a next great thing. And you've got um, Rico Henry now, who is in England's under-19s player, and we paid upwards of five million quid for under-21. Sorry, you know I'm getting my 19s and 21s muddled up. 47 percent probably, 74 percent. Um, so you know, like individually, there's nothing wrong with them. Individually, with individually with all of our players, there is nothing wrong with. I, I would actually say, I would actually say maybe McLeod now. I will say maybe McLeod is 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 head somewhere else, possibly. I say he shouldn't play for us again now. Um, I know that uh, might sound a bit harsh, but last two games he's keeping someone else out of the team now. So if he, if, if he's said somewhere else, then let let him go somewhere else. You know, we're you know we can only get better by losing players, and maybe we, we need to lose him. Yeah. Go on. Yeah, I'll just add because I didn't get to start off about the the young centre backs, but I think basically I think if they had more of a screen in front of them, if they had somebody who was defensive minded. They would follow a lot of these runs. Where you're talking about Dalsgaard being caught up the pitch, we'd have a defensive midfielder who's who's defensive or intelligent enough to sort of drop into that right back position and cover them. So at the moment they're just they're just being bombarded. But people probably don't want to hear it, but they have been a little bit unlucky. I mean, if we just going back to the Borough game, Borough's right wing cross drops in between both of our centre backs, straight onto the head of Tavernier, and what does he do? He just heads it down, bang, beyond Bentley. Our right wing cross to Morpai in, in the same game is about two inches higher it hits the top of his head he can't get it down it just goes straight into the keeper's hands so everyone talks about fine margins that they are fine margins but just quickly on the on the centre backs if we're looking at so say for instance you are a scout from Arsenal Chelsea Tottenham Bournemouth if you're looking at Konza uh, and Method, they spend about 87 87 minutes I mean 88 minutes they're, they're, they're almost perfect. They never give the ball away. 
they run the game. I mean, Washington last night, I mean, Meppham just had a couple of gears on him. He, he controlled him last night. We didn't lose that game because of Meppham. We didn't lose it because of Conzo. We lost that because the midfield is not quite offering the protection they need and they were run out. I mean, another thing as well could be Rico Henry out on the left back. So we've got Barbe out there. Would Henry have um, blocked a couple of crosses? Would he have that ball that sort of Barbe scuffed and it hit a, hit a defense, it hit the the sort of Borough attacker drops to drops to the Sheffield United player on the edge of the box. Uh, I can't remember if it's Fleck or I can't remember. If it, I'm, I'm not sure now. But does Rico does Rico do? So when what I mean is basically the big clubs are looking at these defenders and they're not thinking, oh, he can't sort of face. He can't when he's looking at a cross. He can't turn his body right. They'll coach him out of that. They'll think if we put a bloody good centre midfielder in front of them, these boys are going to run the game for us. So I, I just think they need to be eased up on, and we need to look at the setup in front of them, beside them, and probably lay off them a bit. They're absolutely fantastic. I mean, after after reading all the reaction, listening to people speaking. The Twitter, the Facebook, all, all of the fallout of the last 24 hours. No one, I mean, people have got quite close to putting their finger on the problem, but no one can really identify the problem, which would suggest that there's nothing obvious. There's, there really isn't a jump out issue here. It's probably, as I said a little bit earlier, there's probably four or five different issues here, but it has to be for the head coach to identify them. I think our biggest issue for me is not that it's not in, it's not that as individuals, Kodza, Meppen, uh, they're, they're, they're great players as individuals. I just don't think as a unit, and that's not just the defence, that's the whole team, as a unit we defend very well. You know, and it's every time the opposition gets a corner, I don't know, my heart rate doubles every time because you think... We're so bad. Why are we still so bad at defending corners and set pieces? Why? We've been bad at it for so long. Why has this not been sorted? If we could all see it, why could nobody else see it? So it's, it's, it's all going to, it's gone very Brentford at Aston Villa. 5-4 now. It's unbelievable. It's just like goals coming in every every two minutes. Um, Tammy Abrams has scored four goals. You know He's on about 45,000 pounds. Yeah, but listen... I'm just going to go around the table here just quickly because we've had a massive discussion here. We've got a lot of things off our chest in uh, the old George the Fourth here in Chiswick who've taken really good care of us, I have to say. I just want to turn around and say, tell you something, you are Matthew Benham with, and you've got your Phil Giles and uh, Rasmus Akerson uh, with you and you're sitting down there and you're saying, right, we need to make a decision to sort this out. What is your decision going to be, Matthew, Miss, Mrs. Matthew Benham? <laughs> Do we do we have a defensive coach? You know these are better. Do we have actually have a defence coach? You're Matthew Benham, so you should be able to answer all these questions. No, no, well, I'm not, so I'm asking you because you might know the answer. Do we have a defence coach? Uh, it's not, not the time to ask me. I, I don't know. Okay. If we do not have a defence coach, get a defence coach. Really, don't worry. Let's forget the sleep coach for a bit and get a defence coach. And if we already have a defence coach, sack the defence coach and get a better one. Okay. Because they're good players, they are not bad players. But they are not being coached as a defensive unit, effectively. So Matthew, Matthew has spoken. Matthew, <laughs> Matthew, Matthew two. What Matthew two with, with Phil and Rasmus? What what is your verdict? What what will you do? Uh, I think 
if I was Matthew, as I'm supposed to be... Oh, you are Matthew. I am Matthew. Okay, I am Matthew. Um, my main... I don't know, what does he do? You've got to... If he could, what I think he would do is turn bloody Josh McEachran into a defensive-minded player as well as being the forward one. That's what he did. How did he do that? Well, I mean... Clone him with someone else. Oh, no, I'm not sure. no, no. This is no magic business. This is like, listen, what are you going to do tomorrow? Come on, come on. No, but being more serious about it, I, I think, <laughs> I think there's not much he can do. I mean, until January. I think, I think we've got a couple of players that are slightly baggy. A bit. So who do you get rid of? Yeah, I think, I think he's got to move on a couple. There's a couple that we're moving on, and there may be something. Which ones? Come on. I think we've got to probably say bye to McLeod. I think he's taking up a spot now that should be filled with someone else. That's that's the main one. But that can't happen till January. I mean, overnight, overnight he needs us to, he needs our luck to turn. He needs us to stop conceding silly goals. I don't think he can do much about that. It's, it's that's on the pitch. So, so okay, so I'm just coming because obviously, so you're you're sitting down here and you're just basically we just got to ride it out, and we just got to just carry on what we're doing. And we might lose on Saturday, Monday, and then we might lose the following week because we're just carrying on doing the same thing. In, in an essence, yes. I think, I think Frank can't pick that team that he picked again. So the team that started Borough, he can't pick that again. He, I mean, we can't see McEachern and McLeod in the same midfield. That, that can't happen. So if Frank does that again, and if he does that, on, if he, if he does that for Borough, there'll be some serious, I, serious questions. Am I Matthew Benham now? Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to buy a Greek island... And I'm gonna, I'm gonna go there with um, John Terry's mum and Holly Willoughby. Yeah, we're not gonna go. And and, and Holly Willoughby. Okay. Listen, right. Okay. So listen, we're gonna move on. Listen, had a very good. Listen, good discussion here. Talking about the team. You know, we've got no real answers, even though we got Matthew Benham one, Matthew Benham two, and an imposter in the house here. But listen, you know, at least um, we've been a bit of therapy for us, and I think it's helped us to feel a little bit better about what's going on. You know, I feel a little bit better. It's probably, it's probably the beers to be quite honest with you. But listen, we got a game on Monday. It's quite a long time away, but still, we need to concentrate on this game because they're already winning at the moment now. They're beating Swansea 2-1 at this very moment in time. And oh my God, Aston Villa 5 all against Nottingham Forest. This is absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. So this is absolutely kind of, This is mad, isn't it? You know, this is so Brentford. Brentford in the Midlands. But listen, they're playing West Brom. We're going to go over and listen to what Connor has to say. Five at the hive five from the hive west brom hi guys it's connor from west brom fan tv and today i'm just going to be answering a couple of questions about west brom if you don't know who i am which i'm pretty sure you don't um i try and vlog all the west brom games home and away um i'm just going to try and answer the questions as best as possible so after a pretty torrid few years in the Premier League, how is life in the Championship? We had one of the worst seasons in the Premier League last season in our club history. You know, finishing bottom of the table, um, barely scoring any goals, conceding a lot of goals, just getting beat by every single side what we played. Um, it was it was massively frustrating, especially when. You know, we appointed Alan Pardew, who is probably one of the worst football managers in English football. He, his tactics are just disgusting and when things aren't going his way, he doesn't have a plan B. The same with Tony Pulis, really. I never thought we had a plan B under Pulis. So for me, he did well at times, but it was time for him to go. 
but now we're in the championship I think things are going okay they're not going the best for me there's definitely a difference in the matches that we are playing uh, for example games are a lot more scrappy they're a lot more tough than when we was in the championship before um, the away days are brilliant though I mean some of the grounds I've been to I would I haven't really been to so as a fan it's an amazing experience um, I'm Hopefully we can go back up at the end of the season and be back in the Premier League. But I don't. I don't think. I think I actually prefer the Championship. You know, we're winning a lot of games, and you know, we we couldn't really do that in the Premier League last season, especially. You have a pretty potent strike force, as opposed to say Borough, who struggle to score, but have a watertight defence. Is this the key to success for you this season? I think our strike force is ridiculously good. Um, you know, you see teams like Middlesbrough who have like a watertight defence. They're very hard to beat. You know, a typical Tony Pulis hoofball side. But I don't even think they've been playing hoofball. But our attack is probably one of the best in the league. You know, Dwight Gale. You know, he's got nine goals so far this season. Jay Rodriguez, who has, I think, nine goals as well. Um, Harvey Barnes, who also has, like, seven or eight goals. It's just, you know, like, 30 goals nearly between three players is absolutely amazing. Um, I just think we're probably one of the best attacking sides in the league. Uh, we're pretty awful defensively, and hopefully we can improve that in January by, you know, adding some players to... The team. I definitely feel like we need a centre back and a centre midfield, someone who's a leader and who can pass the ball out, because we don't really have that option at the minute. Um, but yeah, we need to balance our attack up with our defence if we if we want to go up. Darren Moore certainly put in the graft, working his way up as manager. Does he have what it takes to get West Brom success? I think Darren Moore definitely has what it takes to achieve success at this club. You know, he's been connected to the club for years, um, whether it was playing or coaching the under-23s. I think he's, a, you know, overall a great person and I think he's doing really well. I think he handles the games pretty well. Um, no complaints from me so far. There was that time where he was losing a few games, um, but everyone goes through that. I think he handles the players really well. You know, for example, Robson Carnu, he played really well in a previous game where Dwight Gale was injured. And anyone else would probably put Dwight Gale back straight into the team, but Darren Moore didn't do that. So it shows that he has, he has a lot of faith in the players and he knows how to handle them well. Also, a lot of our fans were criticising him after a certain amount of losses. And he handled that really well. He came out in the media and he says... He fully understands the way we feel, having been a fan of the club himself. But I definitely feel like he has what it takes to handle this division. He's starting to get, you know, the hang of it. I don't want to jinx it, but I feel like his tactics are getting a lot better. <clears throat> we wasn't winning with three at the back, so we switched it up. So it, I just think it's all about experience, and hopefully he does have what it takes to... Uh, take us up. Things you can improve. Um, I'm not too sure, to be honest. Um, you know, like I said, some of his substitutes at the start were 
pretty debatable, but he seems to have improved that and he works really hard and I don't think there's any other manager in the league who deserves to go up more than him. West Brom, Stoke, Swansea all were touted to go straight back up. You're looking like the only one of that trio who could make it back to the Premier League. What do you guys do differently than the other two? I think us, Stoke and Swansea were definitely favourites to go up at the start of the season. I mean, I did look and uh, Stoke were actually top favourites, joined by us, we were second. And Swansea were also up there, but it hasn't really panned out like that. We're the only real side who has, you know, maintained um, thoughts of promotion so far. I think we've approached the championship really well, you know. It's a tough lead, like I've said, but I think we've prepared for games really well. Darren Moore's done really well. Um, I think I'm definitely nervous about playing some of the teams up the top, maybe like Middlesbrough at home, because I feel like that could be a frustrating game. Um, I would say Leeds, but we managed to get the win. But in terms of form, I'd definitely be worried about facing Norwich at home as well. I think they're playing really some really good stuff. Um... Another team who I feel like could give us uh, a bit of trouble is actually our rivals, Aston Villa. You know, they've hit some good form since Dean Smith has come in. They've got some brilliant players. Tammy Abraham being one. He's another Dwight Gale, but in my opinion, um, they're both as good as each other. They're both 20-plus goals-a-season uh, goals strikers. But yeah, I'd definitely be nervous about facing those teams this season. If there's any time to play Brentford, it's now. We haven't won away all season. We've lost six out of the last seven. We've only won one in 13. Is it a dead cert that three points for Albion? Or is the setup looking like a potential banana skin for the Albion? What's the score going to be? I think if there's any time to play Brentford, it would definitely be now. You know, at the start of the season, they were absolutely brilliant. They've still got a fantastic player in that Mapai, I think it is. You've got a couple of good players, though. Um, Rico Henry, I'm not sure he plays there anymore, but he was a great player for Warsaw. Um, uh, Ollie Watkins as well, who was a fantastic striker. Um, you know, you have got some dangerous players, um, but... Now you seem like you've um, hit a bad time. You know you've just lost Dean Smith. Um, the new manager's trying to work things out. Um, I am confident that we can beat you on Monday night. I mean, you've lost six out of your last seven. Um, I'm not saying it's a dead uh, certainty that we will get the three points, but I'm massively confident. Um, you know, Brentford's style of football was very similar to ours when they had Dean Smith very attacking but now I'm not too sure what your uh, style of play is as I haven't really watched you play under the new manager um, but I definitely feel like we'll combat it with our attack you know we can outscore most teams in this league so far so I don't really think we'd have that much of a problem doing it against Brentford <laughs> that isn't me being cocky by the way that's just me you know giving my opinion I just feel like um We've had tougher games this season and with you being in bad form, it's definitely the best time to play, like I've said. West Bromwich Albion, flying high, scoring goals, very expensive players. 
but you know, at the end of the day, just because you've got expensive players doesn't mean that you're going to deliver. Like I said, there are other teams out there, Stoke City, expensive players, Swansea, expensive players, not quite delivering, but West Brom, they seem to be doing all right, and we've got to play them on Monday, and it's a little bit daunting, but on the other side, I will say uh, it's a challenge that I think you know they've got to accept and say, listen, beginning of the season, we were flying high up there, and West Brom were doing whatever, sixth, eighth, we were the better side so they've got to turn around and say actually we still are the better side so they need to go to West Brom on Monday and show West Brom that we can actually take them on toe to toe and yeah we haven't got the best record in the world but hey ho we just got to deal with that and okay you know you've got Dwight Gale you've got Jay Rodriguez you've got Hal, well, Robson Carnu who I remember him you know and uh, I, I don't know actually The question, this, this is the big question, you just said it's not the best record in the world, but what is the best record in the world? Uh, Ali, what is the best record in the world? Football record? No, record record. How would I know? Record record. I haven't got the kid, oh, the, what, what, rock playing record? Yeah. What's the best record in the world? Bohemian Rhapsody. Queen, you fool. <laughs> Uh, I'm too young to know what records are, so... Oh, shut uh, <laughs> Best record in the world or sold? Best song in the world? Uh, God, you put me on the spot here. Keep going. Yeah, yeah, keep going. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Come on, say something come on, come on. random. Uh, Queen Bohemian Rhapsody. Oh. That's, that's a snapper, and that's just... No, no, that's not spontaneous enough. Uh, Bohemian Rhapsody by Queen. <laughs> I'm going to go Uptown Top Ranking by Alfie and Donna. I thought we were going to go by up, Uptown by Billy Joel then. So as you can see, we're trying to pale the football into insignificance here, but let's bring it back to the game on Monday, which is quite a long way away. They've given us a weekend to ourselves, so I'm sure people will be going to B&Qs and DIY and doing all sorts of business and maybe checking out a few non-league games. I don't know who's playing. On, on Sunday, I don't know if Hampton are playing on Saturday at home. Um, if they're playing, they might not. I know the Hamlet are playing at home on Saturday down at Tooting, which I might not go to. But other than that, like I said to you, we're all uh, going to put our eyes focus on West Brom Monday. Now, some people have said this is a must-win game. I mean, it's, not, it's, not, it's, it's quite a difficult must-win game, though, isn't it, Ali? Uh, yeah. But must we win it? Yes. No, well, yes, we need a win. We need a win, don't we? So yeah, it what have we done with it? What have we done with it? If we don't win it, we're in even more of the shit than we are already. Well, I mean, that's obvious, but is it? Is it? Are you going to say, well, it's West Brom, so actually we're expected to lose anyway, so we'll, 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 we'll just roll it out for another few weeks? You can't go into games expecting to lose. You've got to go into every game. Well, the team have got to go into every game believing they're going to win it. Because if they don't go into it believing they're going to win it, they certainly won't bloody win it. So, Ali Malali, are we going to win? No. Or why not? Because we are not good enough at the moment. But having said that, we could do that very Brentford thing and pull out a fantastic performance and beat them out of the blue. Cool, so you've basically covered all bases here. Yes, I don't know is the answer. <laughs> Score prediction. 
Oh, God. Score prediction. That's awful, but 4 1 West Brom. Lainey. It's, it's really it's really hard for me to say this and it's, it's really not it's not like me to say this but um, I'm not going to go on Monday um, I, ca- I can't do 120 quid on, on going to West Brom on a Monday night when it's on telly I can't, I can't justify it at the moment I'm, I'm, I, like I'm, my, my mortgage has not been paid off by, by the football club so I need to pay it next week so um, uh, I thought Brentford are playing your mortgage. No, well, yeah, so, so some would have you believe, but it's this. Um, I, I, I need to um, I need to not spend 120 quid on going to watch Brentford on Monday, knowing that we're probably going to lose. And I think Ali's 4-1 prediction isn't a million miles away from what I, I would be saying. Um, uh, please, please prove me wrong. You know, please prove me wrong. I don't, I don't want to be right. I don't. I don't want to. You know, I don't. I, I'm happy to be like the wrongest person in Wrongville tonight. Um, but I, I, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not moving outside the M25 on Monday. Pro- probably. I might change my mind. Who knows? Um, so, yeah, it, it, it isn't looking good in the camp. But we're again. We're not. We're not a million miles away. You know. It, we're not. I'm not. We're not going down. Um, Brentford will probably finish in the top half of the off of this uh, top half of the league. Um, we're all right mostly. It's just it, you know we've just the wheels have come off and the, one of the stabilisers is very wonky. Did you give a score prediction? Yeah, four one, four one West Brom. So you, you're bit, you're, uh, are you allowed to do that? You allowed to double up? No comment. John, I, I saw a. Anyway, listen, and uh, David, David, <laughs> going to give us a, a sensible opinion on uh, no no yours opinion but you know any mention of of, of, of of Chelsea football players and all that kind of stuff we need to move on yeah David <laughs> well West Brom uh, a cold horrible night up in up at West Brom is West Brom the highest ground in the country is it, I think there's something around that above sea level I think it's the highest ground in the country higher than any mountain that's capable yeah. of moving so it's going to be it's going to be moody it's going to be windy it's going to be horrible it might be moody but how typical for Brentford would it be to get your first away win against in the side in the Alps yes in the, in yeah. the, the Sandwell Alps <laughs> but against a team that everyone looks at and thinks well yeah automatics I don't know I've got a feeling about this I've got a feeling that we drop the players we think should be dropped. The chances go to the players that need chances. And we beat them 3-1. So McLeod 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 Hatrick. Bold, bold. Bold. And and for me, West Brom, the writing's in the stars. The writing's in the stars. We're going to say 4-1-4-1. Nah, he's not happy, but um, listen. We can't be this bad forever. We cannot. There's absolutely no way in the world we could be this bad forever. We can't be this bad forever. We're going to West Brom. They've got their guard down. They've played today, so they've got one day less uh, sleep than we have done. We've gone down there. They think we're absolutely rubbish. We're going to go there and nick it 1-0, I think. He's not happy. But anyway, listen, this is Besotted, Pride of West London podcast. We're here and they've stopped singing in the George the We've had a good old chinwag. We've talked for quite a lot uh, about one thing. It was about, yeah, 
about our predicament, our predicament today and our predicament at the moment now, which is not the best in the world, but hey, ho, we have to deal with it. And listen, it's been good. But like I said, I'm Billy Grant. I've been here with Ali Mullally. I've been here with David A. I've been here with David Laney. And we've had a really, really, really good chat. And thank you very much for listening. Subscribe to us. Don't forget the Lloyd Wusu is coming to the Besotted Pride of West London. End of season social. Lloyd Wusu and also Darren Powell. Get your tickets. Besotted.com. Go on there now. Bing. Click the button and you will get hold of a ticket. And it's going to be a proper laugh. We've got a little after party going on as well. Just, just down the road. By the way, Pride of West Western podcast. I ain't going to say anything else. When you, press, when you press the button, does it go that noise, that bing noise? I think that's bing, yeah. That's right. As we say, we're sitting around, everyone's left us because it's all over. Let's beat them West Brom baggy characters. Come on. <laughs> Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, we understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants, 18 plus serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.